<laughs> well then, hello and welcome to How Do Artists, a show that focuses on a single topic of conversation and asks the question, how do artists live, work, play, run their business, stay inspired or handle challenges and adversity from an artist's perspective? Our show will speak with diverse groups of artists and creatives, and you as our listeners will have a chance to ask your questions during our Q&A segment towards the end of our show. I am your co-host, Carlana Pedersen, contemporary artist and illustrator, and I am joined by co-host, musician, and producer, Ryan Caldwell. Thank you, Carlana. Our topic for conversation today is how do artists raise a family? Our guest today is Neosha. Neosha is a singer-songwriter based out of Madison, Wisconsin. She has a three-year-old son, a loving family, which includes an eight-month-old chubby kitten. <laughs> Neosha's voice has been described as smooth, welcoming, and warm. She, is re- she recently released an EP called Love Letters, broadcasting her musical influences throughout her evolution as an artist. Her relatable and realistic topics covered within her music invokes a familiar feeling within her audience. Her goal is to bring people together using the one language everyone understands. Music. Yeah. Neosha is with us today to discuss how she, as an artist, raises a family. Welcome, Neosha. How are you? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me tonight. Thank you for being here. Fantastic. How are you doing today? How's your week been? How's uh, how's it been? It's been crazy, I think, on, on my end, but always interested to know how it's been for others. So what's the week been like so far? Crazy. Um, my cat decided to pu- puke on the floor and my son poked at it. So <laughs> that's a, that, on a Monday. Exciting. Exciting. So that's great. Wow. Um, <laughs> So that was the start of the week, but uh, it's been pretty good otherwise. That's good. Thankfully, that is good. That's always a good thing, right? And since we're we are talking about kittens puking, right? Cat, your cat puked, and your your son playing with it. That's that's always fun when that happens. Speaking and, of vomit, yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Happy Monday, Speaking Mom. Love vomit. you. How so? So give us all an idea of. What a normal day in the life of Noesha is. Uh, um, how does how does how does your family life happen? How describe some of it for us so that we can kind of get an idea of what your what your life is behind the scenes. Okay, so my day starts off at six o'clock in the morning. My oh. son sleeps with us, so when I wake up, my alarm goes off. He wakes up. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Get the coffee rolling. Co-sleeping. Yes. Like he, he starts out in his room and then late at night he diverts and comes into our room and he just, (laughs) he is such a bed hawk. He is a really bad person to sleep with and he moves so much. So my sleep ends up horrible. So six o'clock, I put the pot of coffee on. He's asking me a couple questions saying, good morning, mom. I love you. How are you? What you're doing today? Every day. I'm like working. I have to work today. And he goes, oh, okay, mama. So I start work. I get his cereal ready for the day. Then his dad is still sleeping. Then um, I worked out the day and then I hear his father wake up. 
and that's at seven. Seven a.m. I start work, and then I work till three thirty. Immediately after, I make sure the boyfriend's good. I make sure the the child is good, well fed. Do you need anything before I start my other job, which is music? And then I have two separate desks that I I like showed my son. I'm like this is my main work desk. This is the mu- mama's music desk. So I sit there from three thirty to ten o'clock at night sometimes. Uh, I'm not that big of a cooker. Uh, so my boyfriend cooks the food for the family and I have to make sure the cat's fed cause he starts getting frisky and start biting at the ankles. <laughs> the chubby little kitten. Yeah. With a little poopa <laughs> and it's like fur and I touch it all the time. I'm like, Oh, so sweet. <laughs> I love that. But yes, it's a busy day. And then, um, my son's dad, he puts him to bed and yeah, then that's it. I just stay up until I go to bed, working on music, figuring out my marketing plan, emailing people, writing music. So each day I have to choose what I have to do or I, what I want to do and stick to it. So, yeah, that's a, it's a very busy day and I'm very tired at the end of the day, but it's all worth it. So you have a process of of what you do in order to get what you want done. Yes, absolutely. So, so you have a separate desk that you, that is mommy's desk per se. Mm -hmm. And he, and your son knows um, this is mommy's desk and this is where she goes when she needs to get her creative work done. Does he, does he listen? Does he, does he, (laughs) (laughs) and if he does, how, how did you manage that? Sometimes it's a hit or miss. Sometimes, sometimes he completely understands and he'll go do something else. And then the times he doesn't listen, he he'll come up and ask me a couple questions and I answer them and I make sure he still feels heard because I don't want to ignore him. And I don't want to, to establish that type of personality within himself or those feelings within himself from the start. Right. So I make sure he feels validated and acknowledged. And then he carries on, he just carries on. And the way that I managed to get that established is like, okay, this, these are mommy's things. You baby has baby things and mommy has mommy things and baby doesn't touch mommy things. And then I have him repeat it and I have him hear himself say it. (laughs) And then he, he understands for the most part and he's very respectful about it. And if he sees like a pen, like a pen on the floor that fell off my desk, he'll tell me that he put it, put the pen on my desk. Oh, he's very responsible and he has wonderful manners and I'm so, yes. You're proud of him. Yeah. I'm very proud of it. You're proud. And you talk to us about, sort of building that relationship and not wanting uh, for him to have any negative feelings around that. And that seems to be very important to you. How, how were how was it when you were little, you know, who are your parents and how did, how they raised you affect you as an artist raising your son now? Well, I, when I was younger, my father left, so I don't. I, I wish I knew when exactly. But when I was six years old, I just knew that it was my it was my mother, myself, and my younger siblings. And I was 
And then at that age, I had to take on a completely different responsibility. And I had to grow up at a, such a quicker rate and comprehend a lot of things that children aren't supposed to understand. They're supposed to live the life of a kid and play with all the toys and ask for toys and all this stuff. But my life, I had the blessing. I call it a blessing at this point <laughs> of raising my sister and brother while my mom worked. She went to school all the time. She spent our t entire lives in school and to better her life, like her for us so that she could provide more for us. And I, every time I talk about this, I, I always say that I'm so thankful for it because it definitely made me who I am today. But then again, coming with that responsibility comes with adult like behaviors and then things put on projected at me and like put on me on my shoulders. Like I saw my mom upset all the time and I always consoled her. I was there for her at all at the age of six. And it's just like it's hard to believe that kids are capable of understanding things like that but she never really oh she never opened up to me because I was I was still a kid but she still accepted my comfort and she accepted everything else and I was always the took the brunt of everything and I heard no you can't do this no you can't do that no 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 but you have to take care of your siblings and you have to pretty much I raised them basically. So their 21st birthday was really big to me personally, because I saw them <laughs> grow up and they have memories. My sister in particular, she has memories that I planted for her as a kid. I made experiences like in-house picnics. I like made peanut butter jelly sandwiches, cut the crust off, like got food. We set out the blanket, all of this stuff. So I did all of this for them while like being a young child. And then I, I guess I was in a household where spankings did exist, but it was taken to a, a different level to a point where it kind of affected who I was as a person, like internally, mentally, emotionally. And then that's where music came from because it was an escape from that. And it made it set me free from that. And it helped me figure out how to handle my feelings and my thought processes because I, I was I thought a lot of things and then my grandmother died and then it got worse after that for a little while. So the relationship with my mom and I, it's, it's always been a rough one because of the responsibility that I had to take on as a child. So now flat, like fast forward to me being an adult with my own child, I know what behaviors hurt me as a kid and what type of treatment I received as a child and I made sure that I did the complete opposite of that. Be welcoming, <laughs> be supportive. Because like my mom, she really didn't support me singing as a child. So she said that it wasn't a realistic job and you need to be more realistic. So <laughs> now I'm a medical biller and like at my job. And like that's like the most realistic job that you can potentially maybe even have, you know. And, right. and it's just like I know that there's so much more to life than that. There's still what I personally wanted to do as a child. And when I was told that, I immediately, I believed her, you know, because like that's coming from a motherly figure and a role, a role that you're supposed to look up to and be supported by. And I didn't have that. So I had to learn how to support myself and lift my own self up like after these encounters, like these negative encounters with my mom. Mm -hmm. And we grew apart. We had our bickerments. 
or bitter mints. I don't even know if that's a real word, but it's I mean, today. It is now. <laughs> it is today. <laughs> but we had our we had our moments, and then now, still being as an adult, we have a great relationship because that's right. a part of aging. You know, you get you realize your mistakes, and you can hold yourself accountable, and then make make the decision to reach out to patch things over because we all have one life and our books are closing. We'll close at some point. Right. So I, with that mentality in mind, I got everything like so, like soiled everything over with my mother and now we're great. And now I know how to treat my, my son. He's, he is, he's easily inspired just how I was as a kid. And I see that. So I, encourage that i i ask him what do you need i ask him questions that he can engage in and think about and be honest with me on well so i was gonna say actually that that's a great segue because um what's what's been the greatest challenge you've overcome thus far in raising your son um well of course it's all been roses (laughs) i would have to say I haven't experienced any challenges yet because like every day is difficult. Yes. But each day provides a different gift. Right. And it's just like, it's hard to see. Like, I don't, yes, I don't like he does when he doesn't listen. I <laughs> like, I, I can't stand it, but I have to remember at the end of the day, he is three. And then that's also kind of an effect from my childhood. I have like, I was always so mature and I think of my son like that and I have to step back and just like, wait a second, right. he's three. And you have to think from a three-year-old's perspective, like what, what am I saying? How can I say this better so he can understand? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, cause children can understand a lot of stuff, but that being said, they're only as developed as they can be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they only have the tools that they've been given by what they've seen and what they've, what they've heard and what they've done. If they have no context, they have no context. yeah yeah that's true um that's um wow that's very interesting and what struck me is that you are aware seemingly self-aware about how you were raised and things that you specifically want to change for your son in that process and i think that's i think that's part of evolution and i as a parent, I think and I hope that that's what my kids will do. They'll see where I made errors and will improve in how they raise their kids because none of us are perfect, right? Oh, no. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all um, we all just do the best that we can. And I'm right? sure you as an adult, you realize that your mom did the best that she could with whatever she was given in yeah. terms of her own skills. So that's very interesting. And that you used music for um, you as, as almost like a healing. Outlet. Yeah, it, it was. It really was. It was very much like that. Like I, I found pieces of myself in songs and it just like at a, such a young age, discovering music on my, mo- my own. My mom, she loves Sade and listened just strictly to jazz and that's what I heard, but she wasn't a musician. She wasn't like a player or a singer. She fooled around, but that's what I heard. And then I ventured out on my own after that. And, uh, it, it, and then I started like having the ability to identify myself in these songs. And it's just like, wow, these songs really understand 
where I'm coming from. And because like I listen to all like everything, like once I figured out music like really existed, <laughs> I I dove deep and I was sold. And um, Lauren Hill and Brandy, like they really understood. And those were like my main like people that really sparked that desire to become a singer professionally because like they captured what I felt like on the inside like especially Alicia Keys like she like she sings with she captures raw feeling and then that's what I connected to because I was such a feeling-based child hyper oversensitive sometimes <laughs> and it's it's still like that I can't like too much of stuff and I can't I can't handle it Oh yeah, no. That's that's actually that, that's kind of fascinating, and also like kind of musically coming of age is kind of it's a crazy concept people don't talk about because every like most kids they have some point where they where they finally feel like they actually connect with music or art in some ways, or at least a lot of people do. Some people never do, and it's kind of sad, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but I can I can still remember running around and like I was in grade school and I I think it was like even a it was a steel drum record of all things. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I got intensely inspired by it was that and Billy Joel. Wait, oh, wait, Billy Joel is freaking you. Awesome, dude. You loved Billy Joel when you were a kid. Is that what you said? Oh yeah, my parents were a big influence on that classic rock and Celtic folk tunes. I loved Billy Joel. He <laughs> was Joel one was awesome. of my favorite composer, one of my favorite writers. I I loved how he could tell an absolute story mm-hmm. using words and music. Uh, James Taylor, Carol King. I mean, oh, yeah. all of these people had major influences in, in, I feel like, how I grew up. Well, and unfortunately, but unfortunately, you know, you get older and then you learn, oh, Billy Joel's also just not a great guy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a story I heard of him kicking a leg out of his one of his pianos at a, at a like at a arena show because oh, there was some he, sound problem going wrong and he just uh, blew it. <laughs> wait, a, a, a lot of artists are prima donnas. So that is true. Listen, that is very true. If you heard stories about Picasso, you'd be like, what is going on? I mean, his children still talk about stuff that happened back then. <laughs> his daughter, Paloma, and they've all written books. So, yeah, of course they have. You know, <laughs> how, could you, how could you not be the child of a great artist and not cash in on the book deals? <laughs> well, I'm not going that far, but the stories are pretty interesting. Nonetheless, I will say mm, that's true. Ooh, actually, speaking of stories. So before the show, we were talking a little bit. And Ayosha, you mentioned you were a diehard optimist. I am. I I am. I try. I come from such a negative place and I. I had so much negative inside of me because of where I came from Mm. and it grew and grew and grew and grew because I didn't know how to approach it and I didn't know how to handle it. And it started to affect me. It started to affect what I was surrounded by and it started to affect the people I encountered and it started to affect my health and it's just started to take over my life. Oh, for sure. What, was there like a was there like a, piv- a pivotal moment where that that all kind of shifted for you and you were like no I gotta I gotta change my entire paradigm. I just wasn't happy. I didn't feel it inside. Like I I understood that my insides is like are is a living and breathing person aside from my out my exterior. So like that didn't feel right inside, and I was just like I something's wrong, and I had to fix it. So, and honestly, this wasn't, I was maybe 20. 
So like for eight years now, I've been more positive, like like working on that, like doing the internal work. And it right. was it, it was really difficult facing some of the ugly inside mm. oh, and the things sure. that I held on to and like things that like kind of deterred me from a lot of things and a lot of opportunities in my life. Those things were so hard. And when I overcame those things, I became much happier because I took more chances. Cause oh, like yeah. I was, I was, I was raised on fear. Like, don't do this. This could happen to you. Don't do this. You could get kidnapped. Don't do like, don't go here by yourself. Don't take, don't take things from other people. And like, Oh, remember who you are. Cause you can die any moment. And it's just like that controlled my wow. life. Like I, that's why I've never left Wisconsin. And that's, that's why I like, okay, I had to stop because now being a parent, I have a little person looking at me and like, <laughs> if they see me afraid, and see me sad or if they see oh, yeah. my external, it's going to trigger something in their brain and think like the neurons are going to link up and it's going to create that experience for them. And I don't, and my, for him and I don't want him to see that. Oh, that's, that's I, that, tough. Yeah. So I had to change it. Like before I had a kid, like we talked about, I was like, you know, I wanted to change who I was so that I can be the best person that I can potentially be for my kid. Oh, for sure. Because and, I mean, who, who you are is directly molding who they're going to be. Yeah. You are, you are the example that they're setting how to behave as a person after. Yeah. And I feel a lot of that can be generational too, because what you're saying is mm. so familiar to how I was raised. <laughs> I mean, by my fam, by my, by my parents and my parents were musicians and so I, I feel like there was still that, that deep-seated fear that may have been from how they were raised in a, in a society that caused them fear. They just gripped onto this. So I feel like, yeah, that's, it's so familiar. That, and, and I have made that, have done my best to make that transition. <laughs> I'd have to ask my kids if I was successful. Well, and that and that's the hard thing because <laughs> wait till they're after teenagers to ask them though. Absolutely. Don't ask them. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Perspective's important. Perspective's really important. Absolutely. No, it's uh, it, it's that it, that stuff's fascinating to me. Is just like all the little things and also how much you like. Yep, like parenting and knowing yourself and knowing what you're projecting is also an incredibly difficult challenge. I mean, you can't, it, it's hard to be, ac I guess, hard to have an accurate perception of what you're putting out there from just being yourself. That's why you have to, like, I frequently check myself. I give myself reality checks every single day and I have to be 100% real and I can't sugarcoat it. Right. Even if it does hurt me, because like there are times where I'm so realistic with myself, I can hurt myself. Oh, yeah. That's because how I was raised. Like I was raised on, I felt like um, I was raised kind of in a mil in military, and it's mm. just like, like very strict, and it's just okay. So I frequently check myself. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't like who I was yesterday. This, these were my errors, and <laughs> this is how I'm going to fix it. Right. And. Ref I always reflect. I spend more time in my head reflecting when I'm by myself. But I, and that's why I love my son so much because he brings me back to the present and mm. out of my head because right. I can live in there forever and so, miss everything. 
So how does that how does that get into your music then? Because you seem like you're very introspective. You are very thoughtful. You 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 probably play things in your head over and over and over again and then dissect them. How does this show up in your music? It's the, that's, that's the creative process. I am very picky. I am very nitpicky about anything and everything that I create. And I was raised on a bunch of criticism. So now I criticize to like criticize my work tremendously. And it's, I critique it to a point where it's uncritiquable. I, I'm oh. making up a bunch of words tonight. This is great. It, I, I'm <laughs> no, going to run with incritiquable. Yeah. Incritiquable totally sounds understand. fantastic. <laughs> I'm like borderline a perfectionist too. And it's real. Oh, yeah. it's really bad. And that's where, that's where it, pe- like it peaks up at like the dissecting. It's like, Ooh, could I say this better? This note is like a smidge off. It's just like that. Like maybe I want to do it again. And so, then. Uh, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, I was going to, I was going to ask go about the rabbit hole. Oh yeah. No, but I was going to ask hole. about uh, perfectionism because I mean, I'm a perfectionist. Plenty of artists are perfectionist. I mean, it's hard not to be a perfectionist, but perfectionism is also, it can be damning too. Yes. It can. I mean, yes. just the idea that, well, because perfectionism also is, it, it become it can become really lazy. Basically, basically being, if you can't do it perfectly the first time. You won't time, do it at all. Right. Which is, you know, oh. the only way I found to combat that is, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the crazy thing is that in my head, like, if I don't make it, like, I set myself really high standards. Yeah. I, if I don't reach it, I will get ticked. I will get so mad at myself, like beat myself. Like this is the process. Like when I don't reach a standard that I have set for myself super high, I attack, I attack myself like, like a coach, like a coach in a football room. Like, okay, like you can't be doing this. You need to get your stuff together. You need to fix your stuff. And it's just like, that's, that's literally what it's like. And then, and then I like, I'm over here like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack myself up, get mad, keep trying. And then if I consistently fail, I break down. I start crying. I start crying. And then I have my moment to its entirety. But then after I'm done, I scoop up everything that like I came apart as just build myself up a better mold and be stronger and head towards where I want to go. And then I usually get it. The set that's the second time, third time, fourth time, <laughs> fifth time around. But I still get it that I hit oh, that yeah. standard. So is that something you're is, is that something you want to impart into your son, though? Because I mean, it's 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 kind of a roller coaster, right? But it, it, it is. It, on the one hand, it's I mean, it gives you it gives you amazing products, and you're able to achieve a lot. But on the other hand, it's kind of torturous. See, I don't want to instill that. I don't want him to see, like. I make sure he does not see that process. Right. I don't do it physically in front of him because he's at the stage where he's a sponge. He's a visceral sponge. He's a audio audio sponge. Squishy. Like, Yes. So everything that he sees, he takes up. So I make sure that process is not visible. Right. Like if, or if anything, if I'm frustrated about it, I, I include my significant other and I'm like, okay, I talk about it. I show him Mm. that I am talking about something that I'm uncomfortable with or something that doesn't make me happy or like the frustration. Like I show the positive approaches that you can take while I'm still doing it inside of here, the place (laughs) you can't see. So it's, 
I like it now talking about it with someone else. It sounds like I do a lot. Like I really didn't know <laughs> how much I do, <laughs> but it's all, it's so intuitive though. And that, I mean, and that, I mean, it doesn't make it necessarily easy, but it, it makes, it makes it a habit. Yeah. Yeah. That's man. That, that's some heavy stuff though. That is, <laughs> that is, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of going through what you just said and picturing that visually as to what that must look like for you and how you must labor over that sometimes. Has it been, an, has this creative process that you have developed for yourself been a hindrance to you at any time uh, when you have to kind of be such a perfectionist? Was there any point in time where you needed to stop and change how you were doing something in oh, order yeah. to move forward because it just wasn't working. Yeah, like that would that would be the part that would be the point in my mind that I that's the pushing point. You're now you're forcing it. You're trying to force it. And then it's at <laughs> that point where you're just like, okay, I just gotta take a break, walk away. Right. Cause I, I'm a try, 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 try over and over and over and over again until I can't anymore. Right, right. right. And then after so long, if it doesn't work, I just have to take a break, just not think about it completely, mm-hmm. and then come back, and then that's when that's when it works. Yeah, no, I, I oh, actually no, you go for it. Oh no, <laughs> no so, <laughs> how does this show up in your writing? What what are some of these things that you have that you deal with that you are experiencing that actually that you write about? How you talk about the creative process and being a perfectionist. What's the process when you sit down pen and paper? I'm always interested to find out what's actually in the psyche of artists to to sort of get behind what they're actually writing about. See, usually when I write, like I know exactly what I want to say and how I want to say it. It's just a matter of finding the matching sound, the external sound to match what I want to say properly. Cause like you can put, I can put anything down and then just put it on something and it, it just doesn't link right. And I write from my experiences. So like this EP that I just did, it was, there were songs that I wrote in five minutes. Cause like I knew what I wanted to say. I knew how I wanted to say it. And I knew where things go, I knew how I, how I wanted it to be arranged. It was just a matter of finding that beat. And once I found the beat, I immediately clicked with it. And then it just wrote. I just wrote until I couldn't anymore. And then it turns out I was done with the song. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. And that's, and that's, how, it, that's how all of them were. But when I don't know what I want to say, I search for the beat first. Mm. I know what it's like i i know what i'm looking for but then again i don't know what i'm looking for at the same time it's such right. a weird process like i'm like if it connect if i connect with it within seconds there's there's a reason and i should listen to it and i should with an open mind hear it hear it out and then if i like it i will take it and then i will sit with it and then just sit there outside that that's that's one of my big things i like to sit outside because most of my ideas come from outside yeah and i hear i hear melodies in my head and i'm like okay this sounds pretty good maybe i should change i should change this 
And then when I get something that sticks, I record it on my phone, like the sound with my, with the tr- like with the track that I'm listening to, put those two things together, get it down. And then I'm like, huh, the way this is sound, like the way this sounds based off the note placement, like, is it more minors? Is it majors? Like that, that decides the topic of the song. And then that's where the word, then I'm like, okay, so this is what it's going to sound like. That's the topic. And then I'm like, how do I want to tell this story? That's where the words come in. And then that's where like the creative process kicks in and like the critiquing as I go thing, like thing comes in. Right. And well, oh, no, I was going to say <laughs> critiquing as you go is a tough part though, because that's, I mean, I, some, some people have a school of thought that writing, like the creative process and the critiquing process or the editing are two entirely different states of mind and to kind of go between them quickly can be self-defeating sometimes because, you know, it's like you write a line on the paper and then you immediately scratch it out. <laughs> See, and the funny part, I, I really get excited for that because like I write it down and then I sing it again and I like test out like I, every, every line I write, I do that line with the previous line. I'm like, ooh, I was oh, like, yeah. maybe I should say this and I like write it down. Like I get so excited about like crossing out something because it's starting to look like a mess. And like I'm, I'm a mom. <laughs> my life isn't together. Like my house can be sometimes super messy. It's like. I know I can be a super hot mess and I love when my notes that I take when I'm writing music looks like a hot mess. That means I'm doing something and I'm like, yes, it feels good. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. You're, you're in the thick of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're actually working. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I listened to your, your record, your album, your LP, and it was, I loved it. I, I love California. Um, it was really, I just liked the groove. So I was just super interested to hear how you came about that whole thing. That was, um, it, it is, it's just, it's smooth and it get, got a, a feel of, um, yeah, jazz, reminiscent of that uh, you were mentioning. I, could, I can, in my head, hear some of the tones of uh, some of the artists that you were mentioning, like Sade and uh, some of those underlying uh tracks that that you feel the baseline yeah so good for you i mean it it i was listening to my kids with my kids uh the other day and um they were like wow who's that i'm like she's gonna be on our show and they're like wow mm. they're like she's on spotify so i think they went and downloaded <laughs> it <laughs> oh wow that's super cool yeah. that is Thank super cool because they liked the music so Everybody should go out there and and check her out. Absolutely. On Spotify. So I had I had a, a, another question that Ooh. I do want to ask you. And if you had to give your favorite hack when it comes to writing or creating music that's helped you move forward, and you could give that advice or hack to someone else. Who would it? What would it be? It would be start start writing by telling your story. Ooh. Start with your story first before you venture out and tell other people's stories. There you because go. Because everybody. Everybody has a, their own story. They wear it every day on their external bo- on their external beings. 
from the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they dress, where they carry themselves, like everything. You can tell their story. It may not be accurate, <laughs> but you can you can get kind of a gist. Start with your own story first, and that is the easiest content because you know what it is. Right. And you well, know what's the truth. And you know just you to always tell your story because that's what music is. It's storytelling. And we all we all have such a unique flavor and we all bring something different to this world and we provide so much to each other through our experiences. Tell your story because it's worth telling. Everybody has a story, right? Everybody has oh, a yeah. story. Well, Everyone yeah. has a story. No, that, that's fantastic, though. It has been such a pleasure talking with you. I, I have enjoyed this time so much. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And, and listening to your knowledge and your insight has just been wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's Thank been, a, it's been so an much. absolute blast. Thank you so much for having me. I was really excited for this podcast. I was telling my significant other, I was like, oh, I get to talk about you guys this now. Because, <laughs> like, 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 I, 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 I appreciate artists that keeps their family lives out of the light. And then it's like, that's that's the kind of artist that I want I want to be. But if it's a family podcast, like, I will talk yeah. the heck out of my family. I freaking <laughs> love my family. Like, we're crazy. We're nutty. And it's just like, it's it's... It's really great. I'm thankful. And I, if any chance I get, I would love to talk about them. Good for you. Well, I, I, it sounds like you have a very lovely family and a, and an adorable chubby little cat. Oh, the, I, oh, I wish. Oh, I, I said that I didn't want to show pictures, but I'm always so proud of them. Like, I'm so like, oh, you guys are just so cute. But no, like, no, no, Crystal. It's like our children are like. I swear to goodness, they're like our pets. They're like, oh my gosh, look at my look at my son. He's so cute. And like when like they do the fur babies. Like, oh look at my fur baby. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> fur babies. Are, are you putting them in a stroller and and like pushing them around? I just I hold <laughs> mine around. Like he likes to be covered up with um, blankets for his naps. And then sometimes, if he doesn't eat his food with like his soft food he likes to eat it with a spoon and i just do it you know what that's fine Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and he does it and he eats the rest of it all of it i'm like geez buddy come on that's great <laughs> well it's all about making accommodations and we appreciate you accommodating us by coming on the show absolutely all right Thank well you. i think that might that might be it for our episode today but it was great having you and i hope we meet again me too Absolutely. All right, guys. See you later. Bye. And All don't right. forget what we also we want to make sure that everyone out there goes to Spotify and and downloads Neosha's album. You can also find Neosha on Facebook or Instagram at Neosha Music. So thank you all for joining us and we appreciate everyone out there for listening to our show and we will see you next week. How Do Artists is a live stream podcast hosted and produced by Ryan Caldwell and Carlana Pedersen. 
Our theme song, How to Live, by Bird Garden, featuring Rodgers and Cooper, was written by Ryan Cooper, Anna Rogers, and Ryan Caldwell. The How to Artist logo, illustrations, and art design were created by Carlana Pedersen. Tune into our live streams and stay up to date by following us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. For more information about Ryan Caldwell, visit ryancaldwellmusic.com. And for more information about Carlana Pedersen, visit carlana.com. Tune in next time, and thanks for listening.